I remember waking up one morning with a distant voice directing me to pay closer attention to the scars and shave everywhere. Not sure where the voice came from, but it sounded like a relative that I had not seen in years. I was conditioned through threats, then followed through physical abuse to ignore the voices I heard at low volume. This abuse took place at church, school, walking down the street. I know you hear it, but you better just keep walking, queer. I ignored the murmur based on teachers, police, and other leaders in the community's advice. However, it was 1994 when it seemed to become more organized and from friends that I later found out were cousins and half-siblings. I realized the voices were coming out of people in my proximity besides school and church. When I heard people doing it at school and church and other places in the local vicinity in which I lived, it didn't bother me. I knew who they were and them commenting on the goings-on in my life was just normal. But as the world got larger in 1994 through 96, and I began hearing people that I didn't know doing it in new locations that I had recently moved to, hundreds of miles away, within weeks of moving, I became concerned, although not surprised, oddly enough. It would continue to varying degrees throughout my life, people murmuring under their breath, pretending to make small talk and be friendly, but then making backhanded comments under their breath about my gender. This murmuring was all in relation to rumors that started because they heard I was transgender years ago. And the assumption in the Puritan community of Utah was that all transgender people were strange perverts and predators. They were wrong. I was just a kid. I was a good kid. I was a good person when it happened, and I had to just live with the gift, quote-unquote. A doctor had convinced himself that I was a hermaphrodite, and decided I would be a great specimen to begin experimenting on. I remember one meeting with him where he said, you are a true hermaphrodite. This is truly amazing. You are truly an amazing individual. Anyway, in 2012, an LDS bishop took me into a meeting and showed me a note on my church record that explained how the legend of my sexual reassignment surgery preceded me. In something I refer to as the scarlet letters, the bishop handed me a piece of paper. It was a copy of my church record. It had my baptism date, my, my mom's and dad's and siblings' names and birthdays printed on it. And in magic marker down toward the bottom, written in all capital, capital letters, was a note. There is a note on this member. Call the previous bishop or the church office upon receiving these records. These records would follow me wherever I moved within a few weeks. The church used to transfer the records when people moved out of a ward or congregation boundary, find out where the members moved to, and then move their records accordingly. They did this for members and non-members alike in an attempt to fellowship and maintain a tight-knit community. What's this, I asked. The bishop asked, asked me, did you know about it? He said he called and was able to establish that the note had been on my record since about 1979, he estimates. The bishop said he called and found people that remembered me from years ago. They told him about rumors they heard about me, including my sexual reassignment surgery. Something I didn't know. Not that it matters now, he said. The people he mentioned talking to I hadn't heard from in over 30 years, so I thought it was strange that they still remembered me. I guess it's hard to forget a hermaphrodite that everybody in the neighborhood is harassing and bullying. I began to recall hard memories. Following the surgery, I was forced to go through conversion therapy. I had refused the surgery, and for the first several years, I just wanted to reverse it. 
a feeling that went away after the doctor convinced my family that the only way I was going to convert is through tough love. And it began shock therapy and other painful abuses every time I talked about being female and wanting to revert back. Me reversing the surgery meant he was a failure, and him, and his and other people's hard work was lost. Not to mention that he wouldn't be able to publish the book that he'd been writing on about me. He mentioned this a few times, trying to tug on my heartstrings. He sensed I was more concerned about being forced to get transgender surgery and being forced to keep it, so it wasn't long before he got my family involved in the social abuse, which would include stalking tactics like murmuring and assaults whenever I acted feminine at family gatherings. It began happening at school and church, not just the family gatherings eventually. I pretty much just learned to keep my head down and stop talking about it to avoid the abuse because I can remember a dozen instances where I was physically assaulted when all that I did was look up when they called out freak or queer in public. I met my wife and we fell in love in 1997. Seemed to be the end of the abuse. We were happy. I took the role of being her eternal companion. I did so happily. We appeared to be happily married, normal man and wife couple. I was happy, she was happy, we had sex five times a week, and I always made sure she was satisfied sexually. She always said she was, anyway. Any murmurs I heard, I simply ignored. I don't think my wife knew about my hermaphrodite status until I told her in 2017. Several events led to me wanting to tell her when I realized the stalking and public harassment had reached the pinnacle of abuse that hadn't surfaced for 20 years. People once again started calling out as long as you're not queer after I started singing karaoke again. The first couple of times visiting East String, a once favorite karaoke bar, were normal, no one harassing me, and everyone seemed really supportive and seemed to like me singing as Hank, a nickname I had as a kid that I dusted off and used as a stage name. But after a couple of times, people began showing up. Is this the voice in your head? I began answering, no it's not, I hear you. Then they just became more aggressive. As long as you're not a fag. To which I eventually gained the courage to answer, I'm female, idiot. How could I be a fag? Being female was knowledge that I had just recently become comfortable with sharing again. As I mentioned before, I had been conditioned by fear through emotional and physical abuse to not even think about the transgender surgery because these jerks would ignorantly say and seemingly believed that a woman that had received sexual reassignment surgery must also be a homosexual. I noticed they were saying it just loud enough, throwing their voices towards the stage microphones and the microphone in the DJ booth, and just loud enough for it to echo through the stage monitor, reverb and everything. Eventually my wife began to hear it and eventually asked, why would they say that if it weren't true? A few more events would transpire and I would eventually confess that she married a woman that was forced to get a transgender surgery when she was still a kid. Within a few months, she decided to separate from me, and two weeks into the separation, she filed for divorce. I'm still counting the days since she went away and wondering how what should have been a trivial point after 20 years of happy marriage came to lead her to seek counseling from the LDS bishop that, of course, counseled, counseled her to separate.